Hello and welcome to No Helmet Required, the original Cedar Cove podcast in which I, Auntie Karen, and my two friends, Auntie Sarah and Uncle Brian, provide a play-by-play of each and every episode of the original Hallmark dramatic series, Cedar Cove. Auntie Sarah, Uncle Brian, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Auntie Sarah, and my uh, favorite Christmas music, my favorite Christmas album is the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas album. Oh, oh no. Oh, I had that record. I listened to it over and over again on my Fresher Price Me, record I want player. a hula hoop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me, I want a hula hoop. Oh, that's yeah. going to be in my oh. head for a month and a half. <laughs> I know, no. sorry. Oh. Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. Oh. My favorite Christmas cookie is not actually a cookie. It's a Spanish marzipan that's traditional to Christmas, and it's excellent. And then, my favorite Christmas decorations are the kinds you can eat. Like? Like popcorn that's strung together like a garland. And fake snow that is actually toasted coconut shavings. And candy canes? I like those, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm Uncle Brian. And I really like that Pogues song, Fairy Tale of New York, about Christmas Eve in the drunk tank. Yeah. I love that oh, song. Me too. I love peppermint bark, which is also yeah. not a cookie, really, but it's a good Christmas candy. Yeah, I like um, it. I enjoy that a lot. And I just like a really classic, nice, thick, evergreen wreath. That's um, lovely. On, like on, on your door. Like, yeah. that's a good decoration. Yeah. Should the wreath itself have ornaments or decorations on it or should it just be like it should just be it should stand alone yeah a bow um it could but not necessarily doesn't need the bow doesn't yeah. maybe depends on how on the bow like if it's a good bow yeah yeah it'd have to be a nice bow it'd have to be a nice bow or it could just be yeah yeah it could just stand alone yeah yeah um i'm karen and i like carol of the bells oh yeah i also like peppermint bark and I like making paper snowflakes. So nice. <gasps> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Well, this week, Uncle Brian is going to walk us through his synopsis of Season 1, Episode 12. Okay. I have five plots for us to talk about Whoa. today. Oh, my goodness. But first, we need to set the stage by talking about the temporal setting of this episode. Okay. OMG, you guys, it's Christmas in Cedar Cove! (laughs) I was so excited. I was so excited to see the decorations. I was like, oh my gosh, I love Cedar Cove, I love Christmas, and it's like, the chocolate's in my peanut butter and the peanut butter's in my chocolate. This is great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. If you've ever seen the Hallmark Channel, dear mm-hmm. listeners, you know this is a big deal. Christmas is like the channel's raison d'etre. It's like, it's the thing. And Cedar Cove is not going to let us down. So let's talk about <laughs> Christmas and Cedar Cove before we deal with any of the plots. Okay, okay, okay. I'm so excited. Um, moons? So many decorations. Yes. Moons. moons Coffee Shop looks, yeah, it's like a Christmas store. But did you notice? The Hanukkah banner on the door? Yes, in a nod to his, like, hippie inclusivity, whatever. There's a big happy Hanukkah banner on his door. I appreciated that. I I did like that. It makes you wonder, are there Jews in Cedar Cove? Is Moon Jewish? I wondered if Moon's Jewish. Yeah. He seems like that kind of, you know, hippie guy from out of town that makes the town his own. Yeah. I don't know. 
assumed that Moon was, you know, it was just being a little bit inclusive, which I appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. He I mean, he could have done more, honestly, he yeah. could have done a lot more. If he were actually Jewish. Or, yeah. Or if not, or I mean, oh, yeah, I think yeah, anybody yeah. could have done a lot more. Yeah. But I did think the banner on the door was something. It's, yeah. yeah. I like that. I did too. Yeah. It reminds me of Bernie Sanders sometimes. Moon? Yeah, that's why I wondered if maybe he was Jewish. Oh. Oh. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. The yeah. other big decoration spot in town, and we open the episode at the Time and Tide bed and breakfast, <laughs> Bob Belden, Auntie Karen's, Karen's favorite character, is putting up a... <laughs> shitload of super tacky lights and decorations outside yeah um, like, i like i like his motto more is more uh, <laughs> it's not less is more it's more is more. more is more yeah we're like on the way to like clark griswold territory oh yeah um and bob's sensible wife peggy she's unimpressed <laughs> she says it's ostentatious and to which bob replies it's festive <laughs> ostentatious festive who's right aunties <laughs> i loved it <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's obnoxious. It's a bit much, but if Bob likes it, like, I think it's fantastic. I think he, I think it's wonderful that he gets in the spirit, and I think it's fun. I worried that later on he was going to start a fire when he lit it for the first time. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. I'm amazed that he didn't. I thought it was maybe a little... A bit much. Vulgar. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh. But later in the episode, we learn that there's a motivation to Bob's Christmas madness. It turns out that Cedar Cove has a Christmas decoration and light contest administered by the local Christmas festivities committee. The CFC. <laughs> I totally want to be on this committee. Like, I would, I would like, I would lobby to be president it. of that committee. That would be like my dream job. <sighs> You'd be yeah. good at that. Oh, thank you. And the house with the, quote, best and most decorations <laughs> wins their name on a banner and bragging rights. And Bob needs that. He wants that so much. He really, really wants that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and do you guys know who is um, on the CFC? And um, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And Charlotte, I just want to, since we're talking, since we're on the topic of Christmas, I wanted to comment on Charlotte's great holiday outfit. Oh, yeah. So she's wearing a, a jewel tone red blouse. And then over it, she's wearing an emerald and black houndstooth, like, oh. Chanel-style jacket. <laughs> so too much. Oh. And, then, and then she's wearing, um, and then everyone is wearing holiday brooches. Did you see all the holiday brooches? <laughs> like, everyone's wearing, like, a wreath or a reindeer or a snowflake or something. So she has her holiday brooch on. I thought she looked fantastic. I mean, would I wear it? No, but you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If <laughs> you were the Charlotte. head of the CFC and you were that old. Um, right. Yeah. Maybe. It was appropriate for her station. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, so yes. In other words, tis the season in Cedar Cove. Um, and so as we describe all of this week's plots, you, dear listener, should probably just imagine every scene taking place with the characters surrounded by various Christmas knickknacks, bric-a-brac, and what have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if you actually want to imagine all the characters wearing Santa hats and enthusiastically licking candy canes while they well. say their yeah. lines, yeah, you may yeah. as well. It's yeah. not that far from the truth. <laughs> um, and it would put you in the right spirit. Um, I and, like it. Okay, so, E-Story. Oh my Let's god. Let's Let's start with the E-Story, which is the continuing saga of art gallery manager Mary Ellen... Mm-hmm. An artist, chef, genius, 
wrongfully convicted felon, John Bowman, <laughs> a.k.a. Daniel Kirkland. Oh my god, the craziest thing. Uh, you'll recall that after Mary, Mary Ellen learned John Bowman's secret about his wrongful conviction for heroin possession, he quit his job, packed up his bags of unopened mail, and threatened to dash away, dash away, dash away all. Oh my oh god. god! And it turns out he actually did. <laughs> um, he's gone. He's, he's gone. Lost. So we open on Mary Ellen and Justine at the Cedarcoat Art Gallery, taking down John Bowman's photographs. Justine protests that they are still selling so well, but Mary Ellen explains that she can't sell them anymore because John disappeared and she doesn't know where to send the money from the sales. Justine also knows a little something about disappearing boyfriends. More on that later. <laughs> and Mary Ellen muses that maybe the both of them are, quote, destined to be old maids. Uh-huh. Wow. I'm, yeah, that's a thought uh, that makes a lot of sense when you're, like, 27. 28, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Justine's grandmother in town busybody, Charlotte, pops in. <laughs> she explains that her friend Harriet recently died and that Harriet was a hoarder. Wow. Oh. As Charlotte was going through Harriet's attic. <laughs> <laughs> because of course she was. Of course she was. Did she leave everything to Charlotte? She was a sweet old lady who left everything to Charlotte. <laughs> what? Is this for me? This is the key to your house? You want me to You want me everything? to have everything in your attic? Okay. Okay. What a sweet old lady. <laughs> Just such a sweet old lady. That's Charlotte's M.O. Yeah. Um, and so going through the attic, she found a painting that seems really old. And so she brought it to Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen suggests that the painting looks like a Henry Martin. Um, whatever that is. Okay. And she volunteers to take the painting to Seattle to get it authenticated. If it's real, she says, it could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. OMG. And naturally, Charlotte is excited because oh, yeah. it's hers now. It's her, it's her painting, yeah. yeah. She smells money. That's yeah. mine now. Yeah. That's my painting now. She's good. She's, yeah, she's got a thing for She's, she's going to buy lots of. You can't leave anything unattended. Suits and no, brooches. Yeah, think of all the brooch. That's, and that's old some serious brooch money. And cars. Oh, yeah. How many other, like classic car she's going to get and so that she can lock herself out of yes mm-hmm. yeah okay. so she's excited uh later in the episode mary ellen is walking down the street in seattle reporting back by phone on what she learned about the painting she says that the gallery thinks it might have been stolen oh no <laughs> that sweet old lady yeah and i want to find a way to blame it on charlotte but it's probably not it's, it was probably yeah, that probably sweet nothing, old lady was an art thief um, yeah cat burglar um, Sweet old lady cat burglar. I want that to be a a, a Beach Boys song. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sweet old. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Mary Ellen is brought up short as she sees a black and white photograph in a gallery window. She's uh -oh. walking by. She immediately recognizes it as a John Bowman. Maybe because Mary Ellen herself appears in it. Um, <laughs> As an aside, is this the first John Bowman photo with a person in it? Is this yeah. a new period in his yeah. artistic this development? Is, I mean, this not so shows you. Anymore. Yeah, this shows you um, the pivot that took place in his heart when he met Mary Ellen. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden, he's he's putting people in his photographs. I imagine him looking really quizzically at that photo and saying, "Huh, why did I do that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful it's a beautiful photograph yeah. it is um 
So Mary Ellen goes inside. She questions the gallery owner about the provenance. The owner says she bought it from a guy on the street who oh, looked down on his luck. So sad. She only paid $50 and she didn't get his name. But then for some reason she went back to her gallery and put it in the window on prominent display. So I, yeah, I don't know. So everything about that was so strange. Here's this painting by an anonymous hobo. <laughs> I found I... him at the mouth of an alley. Yeah. Oh, it, that was the mouth of an alley. It was. She And that's exactly how she phrased it. So sketchy. being like, whoa, wow, sketch. But yet somehow that sketch. deserved the window uh, at her gallery. Yeah. Um, Marilyn offers to buy it. Mm-hmm. and asks where the guy was, and then the owner presumably tells her the mouth of which alley. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she can go skulk around. Yeah. Yes. And that's the end of the East story. So yeah. It's a pretty good East story. Left hanging. Yeah. But yes. We but a clue. It's a clue. It is a clue. The alley is a clue. The painting's a clue. It's so many clues. So many clues. Painting yeah. might be stolen. Yeah. That's an, yeah. Yeah. So, on this Feast of Stephen, will good Queen Mary Ellen manage to find and rescue John <laughs> Bowman as he's gathering winter fuel? Oh, oh my god. god! It's Christmas! <laughs> it is Christmas! Oh, Uncle Brian. D-story. D-story. Let's catch up with our other probable old maid, Justine. Oh, man. <laughs> Where's my boyfriend? Yes, recall that in the last episode, her boyfriend, human block of cheese, Seth too, <laughs> moved out of her apartment and skipped town again. Those jealous blocks of cheese. We didn't break up. I just don't know where he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Come on, Justine. <laughs> we didn't necessarily break up. I just don't know where he is right now. I haven't known for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, so yes, and recall also that her ex-fiance, bad banana with a greasy black peel, (laughs) renewed his romantic interest in her. Yeah. So weird. Warren. Uh, So we open in Moons, where Charming as an Eel Warren continues his stalking of Justine. (laughs) He asks her to lunch, but she says she's busy at work and not independently wealthy like him. He counters that she could be wealthy if she wanted to be, i.e. if she were willing to marry him. Mm. Cut to Charlotte, who is taking a break from appropriating the valuable property of the recently departed. (laughs) As she sees the sheriff nervously greet a new arrival on the Cedar Cove dock. Uh The new arrival is well-dressed and looks official. Mm -hmm. It's a clue. Uh You may remember way back in, like, episode one, right? Uh, that there seemed to be an ongoing federal investigation of Warren Saget underway. Could this be related? Could it? Y- yeah. 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 So, yeah. so later, Justine is noodling about at the Cedar Cove Art Gallery when Seth comes in the door. Oh my god. She demands to know where he has been, and he replies, Alaska. Because of course. This guy's yeah. the worst. That's what he does. He apologizes, but she's not having it. He explains that he felt like he had nothing to offer her, that he's a loser. Well, I, you know, yeah. I wrote in my notes, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, That's he, does, true. he knows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she says she won't ever be able to trust him to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. He says that he went to Alaska so that he could get a loan from his old boss at the cannery. Oh, oh my God. And that now he has enough money. For what? He says he wants to show her something. No! 
guys guess that he was going to show her? When a, you a different boat. A different boat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He was going to buy maybe the gallery that Warren tried to give her oh. so that she could have her own gallery. But, like, why would you do that without consulting someone first? Because he's, he's a human block of cheese. Yeah, because it's yeah. Seth, too. I mean, we can't make, we can't expect much. I couldn't stop laughing thinking about the, um, the beanstalk that he was going to take her to. Climbing <laughs> <laughs> up yeah. into the sky. Yeah. I bought these magic beans. <laughs> Look at this beanstalk. <laughs> Will you climb it with me? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, well... We were all wrong. <laughs> Thankfully. Cut, cut to an abandoned restaurant Whoa. on the water with a for sale sign. Seth, too, wants to buy it and open a restaurant and fresh fish market. He explains that he wants to own a place where people can eat fresh seafood or they can buy it and take it home, which pretty accurately describes the purpose of a restaurant and fish, <laughs> and fresh fish market. You know, at least he understands what he's getting into. I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Definitionally. He says the words. He says the words. And he does have the connections. But that's what he says. He touts his connections to the quote-unquote best boats. Um, Best boats. Wow. And says that he'll be able to get the top seafood from the best boats. Justine, bless her stupid little heart, (laughs) loves the idea. (laughs) Seth, too, apologizes again and says that this is their future together. Oh, my God. What could possibly go wrong with this plan? This is a great plan. It's a great plan. Well, for starters, as an angry block of cheese tells Justine later, (laughs) his offer on the restaurant was rejected because... Nasty, wasty skunk Warren owns the abandoned restaurant. Of course he does. He owns everything. He owns everything. Yeah. They should just, he should know, like. He should know everything. He should know this by now. Seth too should know this by Mm -hmm. now. Like, Cedar Cove brought to you by Warren Saget. (laughs) Like, that's what the welcome sign says. Um, Yeah. So, meanwhile, nosy Charlotte has hightailed it over to the office of the Cedar Cove Chronicle to tell Jack that she saw a federal agent arrive on the ferry. She wonders why the feds are poking around, and she suggests Jack look into it. Whatever. Back to Justine, who has rushed over to Warren's office and barges in. Cuddly as a cactus, Warren claims it was a huge (laughs) misunderstanding, but that when it comes down to it, he can't sell the restaurant at the price the realtor quoted Seth. The realtor quoted too low a price. He explains that he has to take care of his company and his people. He's a compassionate capitalist. <laughs> oh, God. He admits he still has feelings for Justine, but he promises not to get in the way of her relationship with Seth, too. Finally, he promises that if Seth, too, can come up with the additional funds for the new asking price, he'll accept it. Later, Warren, who has garlic in his soul, looks out the window <laughs> of his office and sees the federal agent in the parking lot. At that very moment, Seth, too, arrives with a new offer for the restaurant, an offer of exactly the asking price. Warren asks where he got the rest of the money. Well, Justine gave it to him. And they're buying the restaurant together. What? Okay. I don't... How? I thought that Justine used all of her savings to buy On the bachelor auction. Yeah. I mean, all she had was $417. <laughs> 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 he gave it back to her. 
the okay. 417. So the asking price, the new asking price was the old asking price plus $417. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, no, she doesn't. This is all of what? her savings from all of her jobs being a ch- you know, from like childhood onward. Yeah. This is, this all, is her this babysitting is money. This is her tip jar money yeah. from Moon. This well, that sounds it. about right. Yeah. It's her earring money. Her oh, earring yeah. Her, uh, yeah, her jewelry money. Yeah. Her ancient yeah. Italian jewelry money. Right. She might be, se- you know what though? Things might have shifted. She might be selling paintings at the gallery now and we just haven't heard about it. That's true. Oh, she could have, yeah. Because Mary Ellen was going to give her space in the gallery. So she might be selling jewelry and paintings and sculpture and drawings. Because she's a quadruple threat or yeah. quintuple threat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe she has more money than we thought. And they're just not telling us. Yeah. Unless, well, I guess we're supposed to know that right now. Yeah, well, so they're going to buy it together. Warren accepts the offer, and there's a goodwill gesture, hands them the keys right away, um, even though the sale will spend a couple of weeks in escrow. Yeah, that's not a regular. No. Justine puts down her 39 and a half foot pool and thanks him with real feeling. <laughs> Warren looks pained. When he looks out the window, the feds are gone. He dials a phone urgently. Ding, ding, ding. So, Seth, Two and Justine are inside their restaurant. Justine, who apparently didn't look inside before she helped buy it, says, It's beautiful. (laughs) Seth, Two says, It's ours. Oh, my God. They're both wrong. Then Justine says she's going to paint a big mural on one of the walls. Oh, my God. Bless Justine. I'm going to paint a mural. She did look really happy painting that mural, though. Yeah. What was it of again? Fish? I, I don't know. I couldn't. You couldn't really see so it. Many fish. I think it was a lighthouse. Oh, oh yeah, I think it was a lighthouse. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was marine based. Marine, yeah. Marine themed. Marine, nautically, nautically themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She did look happy. I felt happy for the, her that she had like something that was her own, mm-hmm. and she was doing a mural on the wall. I mean, maybe it was a little premature. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but she maybe... She shouldn't be painting on walls that she doesn't own yet. Yeah. Has has either of them thought about who's going to cook the food? I know, that's a good question. Yeah, they're going to need to hire a chef. Yeah. They're going to need to, like... I know. No! I know where you're going. Um, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Oh, we have ideas about who it might be one day? Yeah. Oh, a, a, a certain befuddled Who's the only chef sir? we know? There's, we do only know one chef. Yeah. With a befuddled face yeah. and a photography habit. Yeah. So Maybe we shall see. Yeah, she's going to paint a big mural. Outside the restaurant, Jack ambushes the federal agent in his car. He asks if the agent is there to investigate Warren Saget. The Fed plays dumb. They banter. Jack gets nothing out of him. Why was this scene here? I don't know. Uh, to show Jack's tenacity. And to show like how funny that agent is. He doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I'm a federal agent. He's cool as, cool as a cucumber. Yeah, yeah okay. really is, All right. I guess. But also, right, why? Yeah. Like, come on. So moments later, Justine and Seth, too, leave the restaurant. The federal agent stops Justine, shows her his FBI badge, and asks if he can talk to her. There is ominous music, non-Christmas Not music. Christmas music, mm. yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of our whatever story that was. D, yeah, D story. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, C story. When last we saw Grace and Cowboy Cliff, he had told her that he has too many trust issues from his first marriage to be with her. Oh, poor Cliff. Well, you know, I I think he's been level-headed this entire time. I agree. 
He plays it straight. Mm-hmm. Interesting you should say that, because in this episode, Grace is exploring, raising the possibility of elective lesbianism. <laughs> Wait, what? Because uh, we wait. see her saying to Olivia, quote, why do we even need men anyway? We have each other. Oh, she did say that. She did. And she also said, if there were no men, we wouldn't need spanks anymore. Yes. That sounds like a wonderful world. No yeah. spanks. No spanks. Yeah. Olivia is slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> and she replies, let's face it, we love men. And then There's I just something about them asleep. we can't live without. Oh my god, that was the most boring thing in the world. Jeez Louise. I know what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then she chastises Grace for giving up on Cliff so easily. Mm. Grace wonders, what do you want me to do? Run through his yard naked, yelling, let's go out! That could be fun. But the joke's on her because Olivia doesn't think that's a terrible idea at all. <laughs> um, Olivia's actually kind of for that. Oh my god. Olivia says, like, she says, she gives advice to other people that she would never take. Yes. All the time she, she does this. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. She would never do that. Yeah. When it comes time to execute the plan, however, Grace opts for something slightly less forward. She puts on a cowboy hat and ambushes Cowboy Cliff outside the hardware store. Mm. Cliff tries to avoid her, but she demands twice a week riding lessons. And it goes something like this. I really can't stay. <laughs> Baby, I need riding lessons. <laughs> I have to go away. Baby, I need riding lessons. <laughs> anyway. Um, he's reluctant. <laughs> yeah. He's reluctant, but apparently he needs the money. So he agrees, finally. He's got wow. all kinds of schemes for making money. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So later we find Grace atop Miss Annabelle, the horse, at Cliff's Farm. Miss Annabelle, in what I think is a missed opportunity, is not pulling an open sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> but Cowboy Cliff says Grace's riding is improving. Her dismount, however, is not, and Cliff has to catch her as she gets off the horse. It's perfect. She charmingly jokes that her name is ironic. Oh, that was cute. Like, my parents didn't know what they were doing when they named me Grace. I thought, yeah. It that was, was kind of cute. I laughed when it she said cute. that. Yeah. Yeah, in spite of myself. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Right, no so kiss. No kiss. No. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. There's progress. Yeah, it does feel... Yeah, it's progress, right? Yeah. It is progress. Yeah. yeah. B story? Mm -hmm. B story. B. I'm going to break a trend here by stashing the Jack and Olivia story in the B story. Mm. Great. In the last episode, Jack, played by friend of this podcast, Dylan Neal. He's so hot. <laughs> he is so... Uh, he was frustrated. With the ongoing Olivia and her ex-husband Stan drama. Mm -hmm. And he, so he was so frustrated that he left town to take his dream job as the Phillies beat reporter in Philadelphia. At the beginning of this episode, we see Big City Jack wearing a Big City leather jacket. Oh my god, that's right. And walking in the Big City. I know, he looked so Big City. Oh, he was so Big City. But he was also, uh, he had forgotten what big city traffic is like. True. He, he had that awkward, awkward, awkward yeah. moment where he's yeah. like, oh, traffic. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, not, oh. I can't I'm just a, step off the curb. I'm a changed but... man from Cedar Cove. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In contrast, we see sad Olivia doing Christmas shopping in Cedar Cove. She peers into the window of the shuttered Cedar Cove Chronicle office and walks, walks away. It was like the most stoic Christmas shopping I'd ever seen anyone perform. 
she had this very stoic look on her face. And she Placid. had all of these all of these bags and she was just like But she looked sad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just doing my shopping. No joy here. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. singing Deck the Halls, but it's not like Christmas at all. No, no, no. no. She remembers when Jack was here <laughs> and all the fun they had last year. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Um Back in Philly, Jack is in his cubicle, hanging with his African-American friend, Mike. I love Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Mike. He's sort of the voice of... Big city reason? Yeah. Yeah. What I would consider reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big city reason. Yeah, big city reason. Uh, Jack is in town early to sign his contract, but he still needs to go back to Cedar Cove to pack up his stuff. Mostly sports memorabilia. Oh my probably, god! Right? Oh, my god. oh, did you guys catch that Jack totally lied to his friend Mike about the canoe? Like he told, he told Mike that he built that canoe by himself. <gasps> he did not build that canoe by himself. No, he did not. I mean, how did he not do it without Bob Belden? Yeah. Good point. I thought that was a red flag. <laughs> I'm not sure Mike and Jack are going to make it as friends. <laughs> I don't think that they are, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of tension there. Yeah, and I also just thought, like, wow, you're in the big city for, like, seven hours and you forget your friend Bob Belden? Like, how do you do that? Oh. How do you do that? He That's, did forget, yeah. It's not cool. No. It's not cool. Um. So, yeah, Mike asked him how things with, went, went with that woman he was seeing at Cedar Cove, and Jack says, I'm over it, man. Oh, really? Yeah. Untruth. Right. Yeah. Back in the cove, Olivia arrives home. There's a blue beamer in her driveway. Whose? It's her falcon-haired ex-husband, Stan, who wants her back. Whoa. He let himself into her house, and he's cooking her dinner as a surprise. Nope. She is not pleasantly surprised. This isn't your house, she says. He says that he's made her favorite, lemon chicken and roast potatoes. She says... That's your favorite. Oops. But Stan is still feeling good. He offers her some wine and she says, I don't want to drink wine with you. And he says, you gave up wine because Jack's an alcoholic. Oh, not the right thing to say. Her anger explodes and she tells him what's what. She says there is no going back to their old life. Mm -hmm. They're different people now. Then she says, I want you to be happy, but not here and not with me. And then Stan melts into a little puddle, <laughs> just like Frosty the Snowman in a greenhouse. Oh, my oh God. God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think that Falcon Hair really blew that one. You don't, you don't go traipsing into somebody else's home to cook them dinner without an invitation or at least saying, you know, calling them no. beforehand and saying, hey, I want to come over and cook you dinner. Can I do that? Yeah, yeah. that was presumptuous. Yeah. yeah, very. I think I would have done what she did or tried to, like, smash them with a broom or a shovel or <laughs> get out of my house. Yeah. I just had a long day. I I, I felt her response completely. I've had a yeah. long day and all I want to do is relax. Get out of my house. Me too. Yeah. I, 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 I got it, but I probably would have been nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. You'd have eaten. I would have well, been meaner. I would have re- But if you come home after a long day, you're probably hungry. The food, it sounds like Stan's a good cook. Better than her. I mean, she can't cook at all. No, she can't make a chicken. If if I were her, her I'd make a half-frozen tamale and eat it in bed. (laughs) (laughs) If I were that tired, if I were that tired and 
and just wanted to relax, I'd get immediately into my pajamas, get get the tamale, heat it up, take it to my bed, eat it while watching TV in bed. Mm. That's all I'd want to do. Uh, I can see that. I don't have yeah. to talk to Falcon here. I don't want him to drink wine. He anymore. looked jaunty in that red sweater. Man, he he was in an excellent mood. He, he was. He was he like was a vanquished confident. jack. Yeah. Like, I'm moving back in. No way, yeah. Jose. Holy yeah, boy. I'm cooking dinner. Uh-huh. Mega wine. She'll drink wine with me. Yeah, we're going to drink wine. Oh, make boy. out. Talk about dead Jordan. Kind <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Drive that boat. Yeah. yeah. Forward. Backward. Backward. Around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah, no, what did what's it become do? now? He yeah. just did some kind of Larry David Seinfeld oh, funny no. thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. So oh, back to Jack and Philly. His sports writer buddies are drinking beer in the office, talking about the Eagles. Go Eagles. Um, Wait, do, okay, what I have a Eagles? question. What? The huh? Eagles. The Eagles. Oh, sorry. Stupid NFL team. Oh, okay. Um, the Eagles. I, do journalists really drink beer in the office? I wondered I, that, too. I was surprised by that. I was like, I don't really know. When I worked in a newspaper as an intern in college, our editor kept a bottle of whiskey behind his desk and would also often disappear to a sports bar down the street because he was a massive cliché. Oh. The TV does think that they have whiskey in their desk. And, like, TV and shows believe that. And my editor yeah. totally did. And, and I remember the art editor would often have to send me to the sports bar to go get him and bring him <sighs> back to the office. Now you see here, I'm not going back to that office. <laughs> yeah. It will do that, but with a Boston no, accent. Oh, I can't. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going back there not to, like, finish this beer. <laughs> That's how he would talk to me. I'd be like, but, yeah. Now see, yeah. And I was 19 years old. I'd be like, um, but the art I want to talk about. He'd be like, nah. Tell him he can go fuck himself. <laughs> I'm not going back. I'm like, um, well, uh, uh, uh what if I just wait here with you until you're done? And we're back together. It was terrible. Uh, it was wow. not real life. But so oh I can attest. Okay. So that actually happens sometimes. The newspaper that I worked at, yeah. that editor was lush. Well, I my newspaper experience is um is from junior high. And, <laughs> and it was not It was wasn't like that. No, it wasn't. Yeah, like mine that. is yeah, mine is from college, but it wasn't much of a frat house. No. Um, I'm drinking my beer. But I wasn't in the sports desk either. So, so the sports, sports desk, desk actually might be kind of a frat house. Might be, house, right? yeah. Be, might, might be um, beers. Beers. I'm going to drink my beer and tell them I'll come back when I want to come back. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh. <laughs> See you. Well, so Jack's drinking club soda and his friend asks how he can possibly give up booze. And Jack explains that he can go sober because, like Auntie Karen said, he just built a canoe all by himself. <laughs> that's how he can be sober. What? <laughs> that doesn't need that's so synchronized. I also felt like that was very insensitive. Like, mm. oh, how's that club soda uh, treating you? Are you sure you don't want a beer? Like, how can you possibly? It's like. You know, like when people give up alcohol, like they yeah. have their reasons. Leave them alone. Oh, for sure. But yeah. Isn't that a very typical thing that you see, though? I feel yeah. like that's something yeah. that I see often, right? Oh, it's like them. Yeah. People it's take typical. it really it's, personally and oh. they get really sensitive. Oh, now you're judging yeah. me for mm-hmm. drinking. Mm-hmm. 
Well, true, but they shouldn't. I know they shouldn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But they preemptively. I'm not saying it's like, not realistic. I just trickles. feel like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that wasn't yeah. cool. That wasn't yeah. cool. Yeah, he probably has to deal with all that kind of stuff all the time, Jack. He but must not, at that. But not in, yeah. not in Cedar Cove. No, it's true. It's in Cedar Cove, people accept him for who he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, then Mike yeah. takes a. <laughs> so I was gonna say something terrible, but I won't. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm oh. pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> so Mike takes a phone call and lies to whoever's on the other side, wife, girlfriend, mm-hmm. maybe. The wife, the wife. About working late. Mm-hmm. And then Jack looks mighty uncomfortable mm-hmm. with these big city lies. Mm-hmm. Maybe Philly isn't the wholesome family environment that he needs. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So back in the cove, Olivia's complaining to Grace that Stan was in her house. He was in my house. I get that. She yeah. says that she's relieved that their recent quasi-reconciliation is over. Moments later, Grace is in Olivia's bedroom helping her to pack. Olivia tells a long story about a vow renewal she did and how the couple got together in the first place because the woman was willing to get on a plane to retrieve her true love. Mm-hmm. Olivia intends to do the same. She's going to Philly and she's going to tell Jack she loves him. Dear Jack, all I want for Christmas is you. Oh, oh She's going to say... So that story, it was like this couple, and it was like during World War II or something, <laughs> and like, and like the guy had took a job in Japan, didn't make any sense. I was like, not what? during World War II. No. <laughs> Maybe it was the fifth. I don't know. Anyway, but I I wrote in my notes that at one point I think my atten- my attention wandered off because. In my notes, I wrote that I was disappointed that Olivia didn't end up going to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I am, too. I know. That would have been so cool. Should have gone to Japan. <sighs> Could get Jack. Maybe he wasn't there, but you know. Well, that would have been, yeah. That it would have been a fun digression. Or or I wanted, like, maybe even, like, an O. Henry kind of, like, she goes to Philly. And it didn't look like they were going to set that up, right? But they didn't. That's a very Hallmark Christmas, yeah. Hallmark movie thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, there was that oh. Faith Ford. Oh, the one where the, the daughter went to the yeah, thing, and the other person went there, and then there was the yeah, East Coast and the West yeah. Coast, and yeah. that Could have been thing. like parent swap. Yes. Yeah. She could have ended up at the newspaper office. Drinking beer with Mike. It would have been weird. It would have been weird. So weird. Waiting for him to come back. Yeah. Mike's like, any second now, he's going to walk through that door. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. okay. Okay. But that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jack has come back to Cedar Cove. Uh, he shows up at the time and tide to return Bob's fishing poles. Bob can't believe that he's going to give up on his relationship with Olivia. He says that he watched them fall in love. Is Jack really such a pessimist? Bob asks. A quitter. And Jack basically says, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Whatever, Bob. And then when he drives away, Bob looks like he's going to cry. Oh, he made Bob cry. Sad. Bob looked so sad. Yeah. He felt really bad for Bob. Luckily, Grace has spotted Jack and Cedar Cove before Olivia left for Philly. So we avoid that wacky mishap thing. So Olivia finds him at the Chronicle office. She apologizes for her drama with Stan. She gives him credit for being right about Stan wanting her back. And she refuses to believe that he has given up on her. To which Jack replies, We had a great time, baby. It was fun, baby. 
Let's not get carried away, baby. Yeah, what a what a. I mean, he okay. Thing. He didn't call her baby, but, but that was. That but was he might like, as well have. That was he the said effect. the rest. That of was that. the effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, had we, had, we had a good time. Don't get carried away. So dismissive. Oh, so gross. Her face collapses when he says that, as yeah. well it should. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been traumatized. Yeah. Yeah, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, "Well, I came here to tell you that you're the best thing that has happened to me in a long time, and that I love you." So it seems like maybe they're not on the same page (laughs) in this relationship. Um, Then there's a musical interlude. More on that momentarily. The chorus repeats, please don't leave me now. Olivia, we see her looking pained in her office. She picks up a phone, puts it down. Jack walks thoughtfully. Grace accosts him. Would you rather cover a stupid baseball team than be with the woman you love? She tells him they're in love with each other and they both need to realize it. Jack looks pained. End of B story. Perfect. I loved it. Really? Not really. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, no. I this is, like, it. the whole thing is so much Jack overreacting. Yes. Like, I well, feel like that's the basis of all of it, is yeah. just him making the whole thing about himself. Not surprising. Flying off the handle, not listening, not, like, taking a breath. And making what is maybe sort of like a career dilemma into a relationship dilemma. Right. Like. Yeah. I mean, because there is a real dilemma here, which is, well, can I take this job that's my dream job or should I stay here? But instead it turns into this sort of, well, am I in love with her? Does she love me? Is she going to get back with her ex-husband? All this sort of, yeah. Yeah, because they could have... Like, he could have taken the job without breaking up with her. Like, they could have negotiated something with long distance, or maybe he's traveling a lot. Yeah. Or she seems to have a pretty loose schedule. Yeah. (laughs) Or just have the conversation about the career dilemma. either one of them doesn't seem that far from retirement. So, (laughs) I don't really, like... He didn't have to turn this into, like... Well, she's not the woman for me. We had a good time, but I'm gonna get... I'm gonna head back to Philly where my real life is. Yeah. What? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's time for the A story. Yay! Which is a nativity story. (laughs) Ah! Ah! You guys. Ugh. It kicks off when a pregnant stranger with a guitar case gets off the ferry. She heads straight for the Cedar Grove Chronicle office, which at the moment is empty. Why does she go there? It's a clue. (laughs) But then she shows up at Moon's. She tells him that she wants to check the want ads on the bulletin board. She used to be a waitress, but got fired when she started showing. Mm. Um, I think she has a loss. Like, she could sue. No, seriously, Um, that's totally illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Moon says that he has a waitress job for her. Then he kind of hits on her. In a really creepy way. What do you With a line from Benjamin Franklin. He says, and I quote, because I looked this up, a ship under sail and a big-bellied woman are the handsomest two things that can be seen. Oh, yeah. God, that's right. And he she does the smile smirk thing that women do to men. Who hit on them, but yeah. who are foul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She did that smirk. That was not okay. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't, I just, I see him as just so harmless. It, it merited the smirk. I agree oh, with yeah, that. I, Everything uh, like, uh, 
But yeah. Meh. Yeah. Alright. So, Moon notices her guitar case and says he's also looking for some live entertainment to attract the young tourists. Which there Whoa. must be a ton of. Uh, <laughs> the young... The young tourists, not the ones on Facebook, go to no. Yeah. Who want to go to Moons to hear live music? No one yeah. does that. No, I don't think. No one no. does that. Okay. But she's willing, and he asks if she knows any Joni Mitchell, and she says, "Who?" Oh. <laughs> this is, and then this becomes like a running gag. It yeah. does. Yeah. 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 Although, I mean, um, it's just, it's like, uh. I get that it's like, oh, the age difference, and oh, she's so young, and da 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 And I do feel like there's this running thing with boomers, that their music yes. is so great. Mm. But I think they're right. I think their music is great. <laughs> she, if she is a folk singer, a budding folk singer, right? She should singer, know songwriter. She maybe should know Joni she, Mitchell. She should know I want to be on Mitchell her side is. on this, because I hate that, yeah, sort of. Oh, millennials don't know anything, uh-huh. but yeah, like you, I guess. Yeah, right. yeah. She should know who Joni Mitchell is, but uh, yeah, yeah. And so close know. to Canada. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, she should know. Yeah, um, she should. So yeah, uh, cut to the time and tide. Bob Belden is up on the housetop, putting horrible oh light-up reindeer God. on He's the roof. Up on the housetop. I got scared every time he was up there on that ladder. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen to Bob? Yeah. I thought he was going to slide right down the roof <laughs> into a hedge. So worried. Ugh. It looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Those right reindeer. Um, the pregnant folk singer shows up and asks for a room. Oh my god. The Bob? illusion. A pregnant lady needs a manger. Oh, whoops. Um, in. Yeah. Well, she Bob and Peggy room. tell her that they are full up, but they can let her sleep in the barn where they are lowing cattle in a convenient manger full of hay. <laughs> no, just kidding. It turns out that there is room at this inn for a lonely pregnant woman. Isn't it incredibly... All, it's always so empty in there. And there's only ever one guest that you see at a time, even right. though you're always full. I know. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we're full except for the maple room. Mm-hmm. We're full except for the oak room. Oh, you can have the chestnut room. But you'll never see anyone else. Yeah. No, you never, never see anyone else. Or Allison's mom can live there. Yeah. But where do all the young tourists stay? Yeah. There's no place else to stay. They Airbnb Justine's. Uh... <laughs> Justine goes and sleeps on the boat. <laughs> or She's like, stay in my house. I have a water bed. <laughs> <laughs> this is how Justine padded her savings account so quickly. Airbnb for yeah. the young tourists. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That's really smart of her. I know. Good yeah. job, Justine. She's not so silly. <laughs> She's a savvy businesswoman. <laughs> no. I know. She's not. She really isn't. So the pregnant woman is going to stay. Peggy asks her her name and how far along she is. Shelly, seven months are the answers to those. Tries to ask her more questions, but Bob tells Peggy to cool it. <laughs> Good thing, Bob. After Shelly is safely in her room, Peggy tells Bob that she's curious about that girl, and Bob's not having it. We're a bed and breakfast, damn it, Peggy. Not a bed and rescue. <laughs> I wrote the same quote down in my notes. I knew you would. <laughs> he might not have said damn it, Peggy, but yeah. Yeah. 
Bed, 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 bed and rescue. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so Peggy, right? She wants to help. Yeah. Yeah. She wants now to who's help. being a mean one? I know. Mr. Bob. Yeah. Yeah. But Peggy won't give up. She brings tea and snacks to Shelly's huge room. It's a big room. It's oh beautiful. My God. It's really nice. And then she tries to snoop. She asks if Shelly has anyone to help her out when the baby's born. But Shelly explains that she's giving the baby up for adoption. She can't give her a good life, and she's having a hard time just taking care of herself. Peggy offers to help, and Shelly says she needs a lawyer. Peggy sends her to Olivia. Hmm. I don't need a lawyer. I need a judge. Yeah. Yeah. I can do better than a lawyer, Peggy says. <laughs> I need you a judge. Um, Shelly asks Olivia how to give the baby up for adoption, legally. Olivia wonders if the birth father is involved, and Shelly says he won't care. He's gone. Or maybe he's God. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> With this plot. Maybe an angel came and whispered exactly. in her ear. I know. Olivia explains the options and gives her the name of her own doctor um, for prenatal care in town. Shelly asks what she owes her for this help, and Olivia charges her $50. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Of course not. <laughs> Olivia refuses to accept payment because it's Christmas. Yeah. So on Shelly's first day at Moon's, it's a slow day. She tells him to get Wi-Fi to attract the young tourists. Moon says he isn't Starbucks. <laughs> Which is damn sure, right? Um, I, I really like that, actually. I was like, yeah, Moon, you just, you be you, you know? you. You just, you be you. You don't have to be Starbucks. Uh, it's a slow day, so he lets her go early, but she sits down with an ukulele and starts singing. Mm. She's great, of course. Mm -hmm. Moon and the few customers are entranced. So is Jack, who pops in. He asks Moon what her story is, and Moon says he didn't ask, because we all have our own baggage. And this is the Please Don't Leave Me Now song that plays over the Jack and Olivia painful yearning montage mentioned back in the B story. While Shelly is singing at Moon's, Peggy snoops through her room at the time of tide. <laughs> she finds her journal and notices some photos sticking out of it. Then she gets a look on her face like things now make sense. It's, it's a, a clue. It's a clue. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Cut to Olivia's chambers. Peggy shows up and greets her. Hello, favorite judge. Peggy says she has to tell her something, even though she should be telling Jack. She says that she was snooping and found photos of Shelly with Jack's troglodyte son, <laughs> Eric. No! What child is this? It's Eric. <laughs> <sighs> what? End of A story. Oh Eric's, Eric's baby. Isn't it? She's way too good for him. Her, yeah, she's a, she looks way too mature for him. She, she does looks look older. older. Yeah. yeah, she looks older. She's got a she's lovely voice. Beautiful I guess. voice. She seems like she has a head on her shoulders. Yeah, and she seems sensible. She she has a put together wardrobe. She's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I what Eric? What does she see in on. him? Uh, um, Bomb water, Eric. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Bomb I just have to say this character, Shelley. I cried real tears when she was like tell when she was talking to Peggy about like being alone, and then when she was talking to Olivia about like, you know, 
what she had to do. Like, she couldn't afford to go to the doctor, but she was yeah. taking prenatal vitamins. That was cute. Oh, yeah. This poor girl. It was moving when she talked about not being able to give the baby the life that she deserves mm-hmm. and, and not being able to take care of herself right now. That was moving, except that yeah. there was this little... For me, there was this little reservation in the back of my mind, which was, they're going to make her have this baby and keep it anyway. Like, this mm, Hallmark is going to make her keep this that's baby. That's where the writing is going. Yeah, like, her reasons... <sighs> like, I think those are great reasons, and I'm yeah. all in support of her giving the baby up for adoption, they were but they're sensible. not going to let it happen. They're not yeah. going to let those sensible reasons count, yeah. the they're writers. Gonna make, they're going to find yeah. a way to change... The course, yeah. or, or make her decision yeah. extraneous. Matter, yeah. Like something else is going to happen. And it doesn't really matter what she decides. Yeah. Because it's going to yeah. go. Because those are great reasons. No yeah. matter how sensible her reasons are, mm-hmm. their Hallmark is going to find yeah. better and bigger and more morally. She's going to have to have that baby. Keep yeah, it. and keep it. Mm. 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 Well, yeah. she was wearing some really amazing fingerless gloves. Did you Did you catch her gloves? I did catch them. Yeah. They were like colorful stripe, maybe fair aisle. They were very festive. Like uh, they went up to the knuckle and then like down the wrist and the forearm. Super cute. Mm-hmm. Super cute. I was coveting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Wow. So yeah. a little little bit of a cliffhanger. This yeah. is this is Eric's baby. Oh my god. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> this can't go. Oh, this can't be good. <laughs> We're probably gonna have to see him again. No, yay! Oh. We're not ready for his mucus face. Yeah. So many fun things to make fun of. Right. I thought we'd at least be safe from him until season two. Really, I was kind of hoping that he'd come back as Warren's henchman. Uh-huh. Oh, Warren! <laughs> I brought your, I brought your dry cleaning, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's our recap. Let's do um. Go around and give five guesses as to exactly how Seth Two's and Justine's restaurant will inevitably fail. <laughs> we all agree this is a terrible oh, idea, right? Yeah, oh my god, yes, it's a terrible so, idea. What exactly is going to cause the ultimate demise of this harebrained scheme? <laughs> Destruction by cyclone. Oh, a cyclone will get it. Yeah. Natural disaster. Natural saying. disaster. Okay. I put Justine's mural will make visitors too sad to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> will, will dead Jordan be in the mural? Yeah! I've got another one. Dead Jordan's going to haunt the restaurant. Oh, my God. And he won't let anyone eat. <gasps> <gasps> I think... They could both forget that they own it and just not show up for a few weeks. <laughs> that could totally happen. That could totally happen. Oh my gosh. Because we have a restaurant. Oh, really? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, I went to my job at the gallery. Oh, no, but I forgot where I worked. Where I worked at the gallery. Jewelry. I forgot the restaurant. I'm <laughs> what about a septic tank explosion? Oh. That would be gross. I know, it's so disgusting. What about Warren will release toxic chemicals into the sound and kill all the seafood? Oh. <laughs> Warren could do that. He actually could. And he would do that. He would. Oh. Release red algae, mm-hmm. infect all the crabs. Yeah. <laughs> what if they hire a convicted felon as their chef? 
and everyone in town <laughs> refuses to eat there because they won't be around. They refuse to be around yeah, a felon. That's a really good one. Yeah. What if all the fishermen go on strike and there's no more seafood? Mm. What are they gonna cook? Hot dogs? Yeah, right. Pasta? Pasta. <laughs> I don't know. What do we make? How about hot dogs and and macaroni? <laughs> <laughs> What's the special? Hot dogs and macaroni. Well, she got some. She got some experience making chimichangas at Moose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. They could just make all the saddest meals. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. All of our favorite sad. Seth two and Justine's house of sad meals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, we have a choice of half frozen tomatoes. <laughs> we have uh, fettuccine alfredo bean uh, cuisines. Um, hot dogs and macaroni. <laughs> a Whitman's sampler and a fifth of Jack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or um, uh, uh, a room temperature can of chili straight from the can. Yeah, with a fork. Uh, with a fork, <laughs> not even a spoon. <laughs> I have one more. Um, Seth, too, will make lots of accounting errors because he's a block of cheese and shouldn't be expected to do sums. Yeah. <laughs> can't do sums. Uh, what if they lock themselves out of the restaurant one night and they can't find their keys and they can never get back in? <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. I don't want to break a window. <laughs> oh, no, but I'm not strong enough to break a window. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll just never have access to this building ever again. <laughs> I <have> to go home. <laughs> How would I pay back my investors? You'll just take out another loan, I guess. <laughs> what are they going to name this restaurant? <laughs> Oh my god, what are they going to name this restaurant? Seth 2's Sea Shanty and Crab Emporium. Gunner's Revenge. Gunner's Gunner's Revenge, like Moctezuma's Revenge. Oh, there so many customers are going to want to eat there. Yeah. Lockhart and Gunderson. Oh, that sounds like... Oh, that'd be a hipster. Yeah. What it? Oh, yeah, you're Lockhart right. and Gunderson. Lockhart and Gunderson. And people yeah. would call it like LNG. Yeah. Or it sounds like an airplane company. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Well. Cunny's Revenge. revenge. <laughs> Next time on No Helmet Required, we'll be offering a... What? Oh, no. No, we're not doing that. Sorry. That's later, guys. Um, Next time on No Helmet Required, we'll be discussing episode 13... The season one finale. <sighs> Until then, follow us on Twitter at No Helmet Required. That's at No Helmet R E Q D. Farewell, listeners. We advise you to go through life with a crooked smile and a knowing gaze. Please stay roughly within the law and use your down home common sense. <laughs> <laughs>